Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. All right, well, welcome back to Training for Manhood. This is Dan Panetti, and I've got a guest today. Um, we're gonna we're gonna cover um, hopefully a couple different podcasts and talk about a few different things. Um, but if we if we had to break down um, the podcast, the next couple of podcasts that I'm gonna do uh, with Mike, uh, we're gonna talk about things um, that deal with because because one of the things that I mentioned to Mike is um, I want to make sure that we understand that men are men of action, right? That um, manliness, right? Uh, manhood, the concept. Um, we, we've talked about this over and over again, right? Isn't um, a particular age or a particular stage, right? It's a it's a thing that you do. It's it's actions that you take. Um, you you develop these particular principles. You put them into action. Um, it's not a theory, right? Manhood's not a theory. You don't just sit and you know read around, you know read about it and things like that. You know you don't watch a movie about it. Um, you actually have to do it. Um, and so uh, we wanted to talk about just the whole idea of uh, men are men of action. Um, but one of the things that Mike brought up is <clears throat> what defines your action, what what propels you, what moves you, what motivates you, what's your mission. So uh, let me introduce you first uh, to Mike Thornberry. Uh, Mike, tell us just a little bit about you, your background, um, you know, just kind of how we got connected, and then we'll dive in and talk about the idea, right, that in a sense drives your action, and that's your mission. So Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I actually met you, Dan. I guess 15-ish years ago now. Back when we were both young when and we were young handsome and, and, and <laughs> uh, skinny. The joints and, didn't hurt. Yeah. Neither of us had readers. Yeah. Neither, <laughs> uh, neither of us had readers. Uh, so. Hey, this is a podcast people can't see yeah. that we're both wearing our glasses. and it, yeah. It's kind of sad. It's, it's it probably is. good. That's why we're made for radio. Amen. So it, it was at a point in my life, uh, I had just come off of uh, getting out of the military okay. and started a real job in the real world. And it was actually a lower point because I, you know, I had graduated West Point and went right to training with the national team to play team handball, and spent the first six years of my military career training for the Olympics in the in the '96 games, just nothing but achievement after achievement after achievement. Now, we, okay, I know we we're going to have to take little breaks along the way, right? Because I know people are listening, and a couple things have already happened. Okay, one, you said the word handball. Right, and, and I'm just going to tell yeah. you, that I remember the first time I heard you say the word handball, right, an image came to my mind, right, and it was it was an absolute, complete wrong image, right? I thought of handball was racquetball without the racket. Yeah. And, and I told you that, and you said, uh, no, it's uh, it's like, I think this is your words, you said it's water polo without the water. Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, I don't think you can actually play water polo without the water, right? So I had to go up, and I had to Google it, and I had to find out, and I had to watch a couple of videos, because handball is a very European sport, huge very in Europe. So. Right, but not so much in America. Um, so I that was a kind of interesting thing. So I was like, you know, I didn't know anything about handball. I didn't know that we actually had an Olympic team uh, in handball. So you were actually right on the U.S. national team, went to the Olympics in '96, mm -hmm. right for handball. Yeah, yeah, and, and I didn't know handball either. So I was in the same boat as you. <laughs> I thought really that coming out of high school, I was going to be the next great basketball player. Yes. Uh, uh, thankfully, Lord had different plans. I went to West Point, walked on the team, and then promptly inside of two weeks was kicked off. That's another story for another podcast. <laughs> okay. That's another you're, story. You're promising? That's, promise. Or we'll get to that? Okay. Uh, but in God's plan, 
my math professor, Captain Lennington, who is now the CEO of the Wounded Warrior Project, okay. said, hey, I'm the women's handball coach. You know, a lot of basketball players love this sport. You ought to try out. Really? So the next four years, that's what I did. Okay. And it, it was the best thing for me. That's awesome. Uh, and it paid off. So, yeah. Yeah. It's 90, like, 96 Olympics, which were where, by the way? In Atlanta. In Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. So, and that, was that the uh, the dream team for basketball as well? or That was the second dream the second team. team. So we purposely stayed. Okay. So the, they had the opening ceremony yes. stadium they just built. And then yes. we were in the old Atlanta Braves Fulton County Stadium waiting to walk in. The entire men's handball team like dragged their feet and sandbagged like nobody's <laughs> business. So we could walk in with the real stars. That's right. The basketball right. team just kind of fit in there. Yeah. Yeah. So we're As walking next to David Robinson <laughs> and Charles Barkley, <laughs> and we're like, "Yes, yeah. we're yeah. not famous, but they are. But they are, yeah." And so, I'm, I know, I'm right next to him. So. I'm right next to yeah. him by proxy. I'm an athlete. Amen. So uh, okay, so good. Yeah, we got that out of the way. Um, military service. You were at West Point. Yeah. Right. Thank you for your service, by the way. Um, and then you did the handball thing. Right. Made the Olympic team. Right. So everything in your life um, seems like it's moving in an upward direction. Yeah. Right. And then what happens? Uh, well, I got married right after the Olympics. Okay. So that that was that was wonderful. I loved that. Got married, and then uh, uh, we got a real job. Yeah. Uh, got into the real world, and the thing that crushed us, or, or let's be accurate, crushed me the most, yes. is we had three boys inside of five years. Yes. So I'm coming from this. I'm the center of the universe. The world revolves around me. Yes. And and, and I'm expecting my <laughs> wife to worship me because just look at all my achievements. Yep. I'm I'm the center of the universe. And then she's got three kids under five, all uh, like me, high energy, just a absolute uh, hyperactive mess. And I can't realize why she's not worshiping me anymore. <laughs> and she's always tired. So that's kind of where we're at when when she's like, oh my goodness, we got to get back in church because oh you knucklehead are off the reservation. Yeah. And by God's providence, we end up at Prestonwood, and we're there, and it's driving me nuts. Remember, I grew up in a Lutheran church, so all this Baptist stuff up on the stage, and there's there's no hymnals we're opening. I can't figure it out. It's just driving me nuts. I'm like, really, we're going to be here? Uh, but, you know, God can work on anybody's yeah, yeah. heart. God's got a sense of humor, too. He's that's got a, a that's great thing, sense right? of humor. You, you think he has a plan? Just hang yeah. on. He's got a sense of humor. And, it's, and she's like, we a need a small one. group. I love so it. So we look at the list, and she's like, well, let's let's just let's pick this one, Panetti Lunsford. There you go. The only one without a name. Still don't have a name for our class. So. <laughs> and we walk kind of in, crazy. and it's like, okay, here's Dan. Yes. And he's he knows exactly what I'm like. I can see everything that he's already done the way I want to do. I need I need to stay there, and there's a reason God put me here. Yeah. And it was like, okay, I, I found a brother, and, and it's that C.S. Lewis quote where you say, "Hey, I, I didn't know that you went through the same thing." Yeah. And now I've got a friend. Yeah. I wasn't alone, and it was that you pouring into me for seven, eight years, yeah. and just actually, you know, reading the actual Bible, yep. not carrying the Bible. That's right. Open it up. And, and it was it was uh, uh, 35 where I finally read the front to the back. It didn't help to read all the creeds and memorize them in the Lutheran church and being confirmed. That gave me knowledge, but I had no application in wisdom because yeah. I'd never applied it. So that rough part in our marriage where it was, I don't understand why you're not worshiping me. I'm supposed to be the center of your new universe. And then sitting in your class under your teaching for that amount of time, that's when God started to, okay, let's chip all this rough stuff mm. off of you and humble you and get you to the right place. So that's where it got me to hear and then it's been a continual process, kind of following exactly the what you had laid out on. Okay, you want to be a man? This is how you go do it. Yeah. Uh, and, and that was the process. 
and, and, and we're talking a little bit about here about action and the mission. And I look at the two sides of that coin, what my mission was before that point. Right. When, when uh, I, I wasn't being redeemed, I wasn't being sanctified, and, and after, it's night and day. But, it, but I didn't have that. Like, I didn't have growing up. My dad was a great man, still is. But he didn't say, hey, this is what you're going to struggle with. Yeah. This is your challenge, because his his goal at his age, growing up, was I need to provide for the family. Right. So that was the first first and foremost hard work. Right. But there wasn't any emphasis on why are you working hard. Yeah. It was just for a paycheck to make sure we could eat. Yeah. But there's a bigger why than just that. And I had to get to the point of almost screwing everything up before I said, okay, Lord, your way versus mine. Uh, I get a great story. So this is story time anyways. We yeah. might as well. So we're in that point, the three boys. It's just crushing me. Right. And I can't understand why my wife don't listen to me no more. <laughs> and even better, my firstborn, my oldest, is really like me. Mm. Super, super prideful, super hyperactive. Like we said, God's got a sense of humor. He's got a great sense of humor. It stings, <laughs> though. Sometimes I teach you by showing you. Yeah. You. I show you you. <laughs> and you're like, so what? he is just oppositional, defiant. Uh-huh. Everything is a, a battle. It's a fight, but I love the hell out of him. Right. I mean, I just love this boy. Yeah. And and I'm taking a shower because it's the only place I'm not interrupted. And I'm I'm like venting to God, saying, "Lord, he just won't listen. He just I know what's best for him, mm-hmm. and he just won't listen." He and, and God's like, "I've been telling you for 35 years, Michael. I love you, and you just." won't listen, listen. Yeah. and that was the turning point of okay <laughs> yeah all right it, here's the keys to the car my bad yeah i shouldn't have never been driving anyways yeah but that one shot i hate taking showers now yeah because who knows what's going to yeah. be next god's like yeah. hey you coming back in here you coming in here all quiet i need to I talk to you talk there's to you. there's no interruption but, i mean i have i have said so many things in my life to my kids right i mean said to my kids that as I've said those words, it's, oh. it's like God just right in, in my head is like, haven't I said that to you before? Like, why won't you do what you expect your kids to yeah. do? And I'm like, oh, oh, that hurts. Actually, you know, there's a, there's a great book, um, Paul David Tripp, a uh, book called Parenting. Yes. Um, and it's a, it's a, I mean, I say it's a great book. It's an awful book when you read it because <laughs> you're just like, you're like, oh, it's just so convicting. But that's, it's actually the point, right, that yeah. Tripp makes in the book. Right, is that God actually positions himself as a parent, right? And you're, when you become a parent, right, you realize that a lot of the things that you're trying to transfer to your kids, because you do, you do know better, yeah. right? You get that you know, little knucklehead, you know, three, four, five-year-old you know, son or daughter, and you're trying to train them, and you're trying to raise them up, and you're trying to help them out. And, and it's like you just say over and over and over again a thousand times these, these great like, life nuggets that you pass on to your kids. And it's funny because God is saying, hey, those are the same things I'm telling you. Yeah. Right? And you're, you're 30 years old and you still don't listen. Why do you expect the four-year-old to pay attention? Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's so convicting to have kids. So, man, I appreciate you sharing that with us. So, um, But let's, let's dive back into um, the idea, right, of, of having a mission. Yeah. Right? Because before we want to talk about action, before we want to talk about doing something, um, one of the great things that you mentioned right, was, you know, I want to provide for my family, right? Well, yeah. what are you providing for your family, right? Because if what you're providing is basically, you know, a, you know, a house and, you know, a you know, hot meal, 
Um, the, the reality is, is to me, right, that's not what a, a man does, right? Anybody can do that, mm-hmm. right? Um, but a, a man is going to provide um, something different for his family, right? He's going to give them a vision for who they are. He's going to give them an understanding of God's purpose for their life. And that's, that's a different concept, right? So before we get into action, right, your idea was let's talk about mission. So what do you think of when, when you hear the word mission? Where does that take you? So it's the why of what I'm doing. Okay. You know, why I'm doing what I'm doing is anchored in my mission. And, and most of the time, unconsciously, as men, we just act. Mm. And, and most of the time, that's driven by uh, what the world wants us to do, achieve, see, be. Right. Uh, we act for a reason, but a yes. lot of times we don't really explore and expose no. what that underlying reason is. And a, a lot of times, and, and guys, we see, right, it's, it's a self-centered, right, I want to be famous, I want to be rich, yeah. I want this, right? So if you expose that reason, your why behind what you do, yeah. a lot of times it's a, it's a pretty embarrassing why. It is, and it was for me. Most of my actions uh, revealed my mission. Mm-hmm. So I was worshiping me, and yeah. it was all about what I could attain for my glory. So my value was anchored in what I was worshiping, which was myself, which, right. which meant my mission was all about me. I was right. the center of the universe versus... If my mission is anchored in who I'm worshiping, which is Christ, then my why is radically transformed. And it may change what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It may not. I just may be doing it for the right reasons and for the right outcomes. Right. So, so now, instead of being led by my uh, actions and the value I think I'm getting, I'm led by the mission in what I'm worshiping. So it, I'm just doing it a different way yep. because I've anchored in who I'm going to worship uh, versus being anchored to what the world says I need. I'm anchored in who I'm going to worship, which means I'm going to do differently uh, in my family because I'm trying to provide something more than a check. At the you know Beginning with the end in mind, if, if I'm sitting in the casket and, and Laura's up there trying to talk, is she going to say, hey, Mike, I know you love me the way Christ did. Is that's what is that what she's going to say at the end? Or are my boys going to say, okay, he loved me and showed me Christ and gave me a model to follow? Or are they going to say, man, we had good vacations? Yeah. And hey, the, you, you and I were just talking about this because I've, I've been to a couple funerals that have actually <clears throat> been very painful to sit through, uh, right? As um, boys have gotten up to talk about their dads. Uh, and they really, it, it's weird, they really haven't had anything to say. So, I mean, you know, I, I know, you know, I'm, we're talking to guys who are, you know, 14 to, you know, 84, right? Yeah. But, but that younger crowd, to get them to realize, um, one, that life goes really, really fast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and two, the idea of looking at the end in mind, right? What kind of man do you want to be? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Right? is made up of the decisions that you're making when you're 14 and when you're 20 and when you're 30, right? I mean, I'm not just talking about, you know, hey, do the last part of your life really, you know, well, uh, you know, from 80 to 84 because you're going to pass away. But it's it's that idea that, you know, there's going to be a group of people that are going to be standing there um, talking about you and what are they going to say, right? And and when it's very difficult for your boys to talk about you as a father and as a man and to share anything about your character or integrity. Yeah. And all they can talk about is, you know, he taught me how to throw a baseball and we went on family vacations together. He was a, you know, he was a good dad. He provided for us. But what they meant is all he provided for us was physically, but he didn't help me develop into being a man. Yeah. Right? That's a, it's a sad place to be. Right. And so yeah. um, what you're talking about is 
looking at the end in mind, right, that begins to expose what truly is your mission, right? So help, help us kind of think through that. If you've got a guy listening here and he's like, I don't really know what my mission is. Like, I don't really know what motivates me and drives me. How would somebody find that out? There's a couple tests. Uh, one is what you're doing temporal or eternal okay so is the action going to benefit now or is it going to have an internal impact so so that's one test i like to put on it that's a tough test actually it's, that's that <laughs> you, is, may, you may have started with a really really hard one are there are the rest going to get easier no the oh, okay. second <laughs> test is the nathan hale test okay so nathan hale uh was in the service of our country under george washington yes taken captive yeah and they're gonna kill him for it yeah did you just pull out history yeah i did okay We'll get to that in a second. So, yeah, go keep going with the Nathan Hale thing. <laughs> so he goes uh, to be martyred for helping George Washington and, and the revolution. Okay. And his last line is the line that, that is so freaking convicting. My only regret is I have just one life to give. Yeah. So if I look at uh, those two tests of what I'm doing today, is it going to matter eternally? And am I willing to sign up and say, the only regret I have for taking this action is that I have but one life to give? Okay. So uh, both those tests suck. Yeah. Because they get really quick to the fact that, you know, unfortunately. Most of what I'm doing. Most of what I'm doing on a daily basis is selfish. Yeah. So, so those are the tests. Well, the tests are great, but only if you have accountability. Right. So you've got to marry those tests and that self-awareness, which is really hard to do with people who will call you out yeah and, now, and built in accountability to do it yeah now I think that's super important right because I think one of the things is is you want to surround yourself by people who want to hold you to a particular standard yeah right so once you once you lay out that standard once you say hey Mike this is the kind of man I want to be right then your job is to hold me to that particular standard so when yeah. you see me deviate from that right your job is to say hey hey Dan here's a I'm not judging you, right? You're judging yourself. Yeah. You, you said you want to be this kind of man, right? These actions don't line up with that, right? I remember, um, you know, one of my, one of my, <laughs> you mentioned our, our Bible fellowship class and the guy who directed it for 20 years, uh, Chad. Um, I remember at the very, very beginning, um, like b before he was the director of our Sunday school class, we had gotten together as a group of men, went down to a Promise Keepers event, right? Uh, and this was down in Houston, so about you know six or seven of us got in a car, drove down to the event. Um, and, uh, and, and then drove back and then, you know, we all uh, met at um, his apartment um, and, uh, and, you know, kind of dispersed in our cars. And, and as I was about to leave, Chad says to me, he goes, hey, can you hang on a minute? And I was like, yeah, yeah, sure. And he goes, yeah, I, I just wanted to talk to you about something. And I was like, okay. And, uh, and I was in, you know, my early 20s. Um, I think we, you know, like just literally gotten married, right? So we're all kind of young married and just kind of figuring out life and everything. And uh, he, said, uh, he said, hey, I just want to tell you, um, you were a real jerk this weekend. <laughs> And I was like, I wasn't expecting that. But when, he, but when he said it, like the truth of it was so obvious to me. Yeah. Does it make sense? Like when, when somebody calls you out on something and you know it's not a lie. Yeah. Right. It's like, yep, that's totally true. Now, um, do I enjoy hearing it? Right. And the answer generally is no. Um, but part of that is, yeah, I do. Right. Like I like people calling me out on things that I go, that's true, that's right, that's good, because that's the kind of person I want to be, yeah. is surrounded by people who say, hey, this isn't the kind of guy you've said that you want to be, yeah. right? This doesn't line up with right now, if, if you want to be a jerk, right, I'm just telling you, hey, you're doing a great job. Um, but if you don't, right, he called me out on it, and I just knew right then, like, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna be good friends, 
um, because you can call me out on my stuff, yeah. right? You can just say, hey, this doesn't line up with what you said. And so uh, if you're going to right, have those questions about what's important in your life, and you're gonna to begin to ask those questions about why am I doing what I'm doing, uh, it is so imperative to have that accountability um, because the, the easiest person that we can lie to is ourselves. Absolutely. Right? I mean, just you, you look at that man in the mirror and you say, okay, <laughs> you're like, and you lie to yourself, right? Yeah. Over and over again. But if you've got brothers around you that just will not take your junk, right? And just say, hey, this is what I saw and you got to deal with it. That's such an important aspect of dealing with your mission. Not just getting your mission right, but surrounding yourself with men who have that similar mission in life, right? And they can call you out when you don't line up with it. And the accountability uh, for men, most of us, some of the greatest memories in childhood are the teams we played on. Yes. And the best teams we played on had that built in already. That's right. There were groups. Of, I still play with a guy today, much younger than me, <laughs> uh, Jay, who will call me out every time I'm loafing, and I freaking love it. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah. But he won't let me settle for less than my potential. That's right. So if we thrived in a team environment growing up, why do we isolate ourselves and put ourselves on an island when we get older? As if we don't That's want good. anybody to know, That's good. Yep. I got cracks. Yeah. I, I don't remember the, the Japanese art form, but they take the vase that's cracked and fill it in with gold. And it's worth more after the cracks have been filled. Yeah. But if you're by yourself, you got nobody to point it out. That's right. and, and we do it on purpose. Uh, when, when the marriage was going south, I didn't want anybody to know. That's right. We isolate. We isolate and we sit on that island and here's Christ walking with 12 disciples everywhere he goes. Yeah. We remember the greatest team environment we were ever involved in. And then we forget to apply it on a daily basis for people to hold us accountable to the mission they know we should have to begin with. Okay. So here's the deal. We, we're going to wrap up this episode. Um, and I, I, um, I like giving kind of an action plan, right? Like a step. Take one thing, right? And I think my one thing, right, in, in determining the mission um, really actually goes back to the accountability. Um, and what I would love for guys to do is, um, is ask yourself, are you surrounded by, um, you know, two or three guys, two or three men that are helping hold you accountable and helping train you? Do you have an older man? Right? And I think that's a really important aspect, right? We talk about, you know, from a biblical standpoint, everybody needs a Paul, everybody needs a Timothy, everybody yeah. needs somebody who's training them, everybody needs somebody that you're training who's, you know, kind of a, a few steps behind you, right? But I think it's so important, too, to realize, right, that, and, he, and you said it, right, Jesus walked with, not for accountability for him, no, right? but for them, but for them, right? He walked with a group of people, and it's so important to have that group of people, that group of men. Do not isolate, do not insulate yourself, right, from the accountability that comes from being in community. Yeah. So check check yourself. Uh, find if you've got right a Paul and a Timothy, somebody older and younger that's that's training you. Uh, but make sure you've got that community. Do not be insulated. And one of the greatest places to put yourself in right where community is already built right is a church, right? Because those people right have a mission right that is God centered, not self centered, um, and they're going to help you walk in that path as well. So I think that's my big action plan. That's my giveaway. Anything else you want to share on that? Yeah, Ecclesiastes 4, chapter 9. Two are better than one, for they have a good reward for their toil. If one would fall, the other will pick them up. Amen. And here's Solomon, who probably didn't have somebody next to him with all the wisdom, calling him out, yeah. seeing in the rearview mirror, saying, man, 
I wish I had. And when three of us are together, we're not going to be broken. The enemy can't come upon us. But yeah, just right back to that accountability. Find the men. Good stuff. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training, the number four, manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man.